Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right. Good morning, Thrive. It's great to see you guys this morning. You made it through the hurricane. I mean, we're in California, so any little rain's a hurricane. Come on, let's be honest. Man, I'm excited to be here. Hey, do me a favor before we move on. Can we just give it up for everybody joining us online today? Come on, let's give it up. Welcome them. Thank you guys for joining us. Awesome. And I'm excited uh, to be able to preach this morning. And uh, it's been a crazy few weeks. We're very excited about what God's doing in this new season as uh, I'm privileged to step into the role of lead pastor very soon. And so I love you guys. I'm I'm grateful. I'm excited uh, to be part of this family and to help lead this family. And so today, uh, Pastor Eric has assigned me to preach and continue our legacy series. And what an amazing series. Come on, can we give it up first for the series? that I, I, I truly believe that, that every series we do, it's kind of a journey into what God's trying to lead us and what God's trying to speak into us and our families. And what better way to get into this new season than to talk about legacy. And so for the next few weeks, we're talking about the legacy, not just of, uh, of our houses or individually, but, but in particular, we're gonna continue on this theme of legacy of this church here at Thrive. And last week, Pastor Eric shared, uh, really it was an awesome message on what was going on in this next season and also where we've been, kind of the stories of where Thrive's been and everything we've done here at Thrive. And so today, do me a favor, Stand to your feet. We're going to go ahead and jump right into the word. And I'm excited to preach this morning. And so that means I might talk really fast and move a lot, but I'll I'll try to do my best. Okay. All right, here we go. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter eight. Matthew chapter eight, if we could put that on the screen as well. And if you can open your Bible to Matthew chapter eight, and we're going to read verses one through four. And it says this, and it says, "When when he being Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper, everybody say a leper. A leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see what you say, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus, as we jump into this word this morning, which I believe is not just for us, but for this house. God, I pray that you would just be with us. I pray that I would get out of the way and that Jesus, you would speak through me. I pray that hearts and minds would be transformed by the gospel and that you, God, would do what you want to do. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, Thrive said, amen Amen and amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. And if you are taking notes or if you are getting ready to take notes for this message, the title of today's message is called The Walking Dead. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say The Walking Dead. Go ahead and tell him The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. And I I don't know if any of you are uh, fans of the show. It's kind of a few years late already. It was really popular for us millennials like 10 years ago. You know what I'm talking about? Um, We were really into it. But if you don't know, there's this show on TV called The Walking Dead. 
And The Walking Dead is about zombies. That's pretty much the describes the title of the story, right? And 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 so my but the title today though, I want to I want to backtrack before we even get into the message. The title of today, um, I'm gonna give you some context and some history on it because this is what I believe before we even go into the points. And if you could just go to the main point, the main theme of the day is this: is this is what I truly believe is that Jesus does not want to fix you, he wants to transform you. I came to tell someone today that Jesus is not interested in fixing your problem. He's interested in transforming your life. And why, and why that's so important to me is this, is as we were praying about this series and we were praying about what to talk about next, I, I believe with all my heart that one of the things that Thrive is, and what we do here at Thrive is that Thrive is not a place of, of fixing or a place of change, but it's a place of transformation. I believe throughout the history of our church, listen, I believe through the history of our church, we have seen hundreds of lives come through these doors and they were never the same again because of the love of Jesus. Because I believe that's what the church is called to do. See, I don't believe it's just our church. I believe that's what the church is called to do. I don't believe that we come to church to get better as people which would be contrary to what society would teach us. And, and it's kind of crazy to me, especially as, as a younger person, I'm getting a little older now, but as a young person, that the, the stigma or the story of today, what society would tell us is that as long as you're the better you, then you're good. But I came to tell you that that's a lie that Jesus is not interested in you becoming the better version of yourself. Jesus is interested in transforming you into the likeness of who he is. And why that's good news, listen, why that's good news, man, is because you in yourself, in your power, in your own experience, in your own education, and everything that you think you can do on your own can never get to the point where you need to get. Only God can get you where he can get you to. And I, and I say that not out of, out of arrogance, but out of humility. If you knew and I knew what both of us went through, we would, only, we would really understand that the only reason we're sitting here where we're at is because Jesus did something amazing in our life. And so Thrive is not a place. Listen, I, I, want, I want to explain. Thrive is not a place where we present the social gospel in that our job is to make people's lives better. Yes, that might be a byproduct of the gospel, but can I tell you that this house will always and forever be a place where people's lives get transformed by Jesus so that way they're not what they used to be, but they're who God wants them to be, who God's called them to be. That, and that, my friend, is good news because that's just not all the good stuff, but that's the bad stuff as well. And so what that means is that it doesn't matter how broken, it doesn't matter how messed up, it doesn't matter how jacked up, it doesn't matter how screwed up, it doesn't matter what anyone's past or history will be, that in this house, we will always believe that Jesus wants to transform individuals no matter where they've came from. Because that's what he's done. 
That's what he's done in my life. And that's what he's done in Pastor Juan's life. And that's what he's done in Pastor Maribel's life. And that's what he's done in Pastor Eric's life. And, and I can go down list after list and name after name of, of, of family problems and brokenness and, and, and so much craziness. But yet because of Jesus and his love and his mercy, and because he decided to die on the cross and rise again on the third day, that you and I get to be transformed into his image. And so why is that so important to me? Why, why, not just me, but for us, why is that so important in this house? And why then do I bring up this chapter? And why in the heck, Pastor Chris, did you name this message, The Walking Dead? Is it because it's for Halloween? No, I promise it's not. It's that I believe that in this passage, we're gonna read it in a minute, over, is that you see this person who has leprosy. And in the Bible, leprosy was this disease that would literally eat the person's skin from the inside out. And, and what they would call people with leprosy in the New Testament is they would literally call them walking tombstones or the walking dead. And this is what I believe. I believe that there are so many people, if I could be honest, that I have met in my life as people who are trying to love Jesus or who maybe grew up in church. But the reality is, is although they have it all fixed on the outside, they're still dying on the inside. And I don't believe that the church is called to make people's behaviors better. I believe the church is called to present the gospel of Jesus that their heart would be transformed forever. Because it's when hearts are transformed forever, then families change. It's when hearts are transformed forever, then societies change. If we wanna talk about a move of God and revival, the way you see God move in cities is it starts with people. And the way God wins people is not by fixing their behavior or fixing them on the outside, it's by transforming them on the inside. It's by, fix, by transforming them on the inside. When I, when, I was, when I was younger, what, what would frustrate me and would also break me was that I had so many friends who confessed Jesus with their mouth, but he wasn't really Lord in their heart yet. Let me, let me just step back even a step further. I had, I, had, I had friends in my life, like I was 16, 17, 18. I, 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 just, I, I really just got saved a few years before that and, and I wasn't perfect, but I knew in my heart of hearts that this guy named Jesus changed everything. And it hurt me that I had people I knew that would be in the context of Christianity and, and, and would try to, to follow Jesus. But yet I knew that there was something on the inside that was still hurting them and something on the inside that they still needed to get healed from. So you have the story in the Bible where Jesus is walking through with his, with his crowd, right? He, he, he's walking through, imagine just a squad with Jesus and he's walking through this city. And, and the Bible says that as he's walking through the city and he comes down from the mountain where he was talking in the, in the great, um, he, was he was actually teaching the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages in the history of scripture. He gets down and there's crowds following him and immediately there's a man who has leprosy. 
Immediately there's a man who comes to him and kneels before him because he is in an impossible situation. He cannot heal himself. He cannot get through him with himself. And he comes to Jesus because he's heard of all these great things from this rabbi. He's, he's heard all about these great things from this guy named Jesus. And, and in his heart and in his mind, I, I bet that he would believe that only if I can get to Jesus, only if I could get to this man, then maybe, just maybe, something can be different. Maybe, just maybe, the thing that I'm inflicted with can no longer have a hold in my life. Maybe, just maybe, this thing that is impossible if this God is real. Maybe he can do something. And I, and I, I love this story, man. <laughs> because I believe that's exactly where we're at in society today. You know, what I've, you know what I've found in the last few years being a pastor is people are willing to give Jesus a shot if we can present him in the way that he was presented in scripture. There's a shift happening, guys. Like, like 10 years ago, you talk to people about Jesus and they're like, I don't want anything to do with it. But maybe because of COVID or maybe because of politics or maybe because just life's just crazy and we live in California. Can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And maybe because in our actuality, we live in a society now where most people, we're getting to the point where most people have not heard about the gospel in California than have heard, which is insane to me, but that's just where we're at. That when we talk to them about Jesus. Haven't you noticed that as you start talking to your coworkers and your neighbors about Jesus, I don't know why, I start mentioning, like I'll mention, hey, I work at Thrive or I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian or whatever I wanna say in that moment, they'll say, oh, that, that's cool. And I'm like, that's cool. Normally like, it's like, oh, all right, whatever, bro. They're like open, they're like open. That, that, that God's actually working in people's hearts right now. And, and it's crazy because back in the day, I remember when I was in high school, I would tell people I was a Christian and they would make fun of me. Now we're getting to the point where something's happening, something's shifting to where people are open. And, and, and what, you know what I've discovered is that if you and I can show people that Jesus transformed people's lives, if you and I can show people what Jesus actually looks like in people's, like in our life and in our family, then maybe, just maybe, these individuals like this person who has leprosy is willing to get Jesus a chance. See, Jesus in the Gospels is about to pray for this man and there's a crowd around him and I can imagine the scene. See, what you have to understand, let me just break down what leprosy is, is it, it, we, they would, you could put that second point up, is they were individuals who were literally called or known as the walking dead. They were, they were people who because of the skin disease, their arms could have been deformed or their face could have been deformed or because of the physical ailment, they, they looked completely different. It, it was a flesh eating disease from the inside out. And it, and it goes all the way back into the Old Testament where it talks about leprosy. And there's all these stories of the Old Testament, uh, but, but it did more than that. See, it wasn't just a physical deformity. It would actually cause them to, to be socially isolated. It would, it would cause them to be not connected with anyone else. It caused them to be relationally isolated. It caused them to be emotionally damaged and it caused them to be spiritually empty. 
See, leprosy would cause not only their physical ailments, right? Imagine someone with leprosy at the time and, and what it would look like is they would not just have a physical deformity, but every step they would take, it would, be, it would, it would hurt them to move. And, and every time they would look probably somewhere or move a certain body part, it would, it would hurt them to move. And most of the time, lepers had leprosy for years on years on years. Not only that, is they were relationally isolated, like I said, they were kept in leper colonies. So they were completely excommunicated from the rest of society and they were completely excommunicated from the rest of their family because people thought that if I was near them, it was kind of like, remember when you were little and you would say that people had cooties? Anybody know what I'm talking about? It was like that, you know, stay away. Wear a mask, six feet distance, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, sometimes we're treating people with COVID like lepers right now. I'm just being honest. <laughs> they were isolated. They were isolated. They were left alone. They were by themselves. And so not only that, imagine the emotional wear and tear on the person who had leprosy. Imagine the emotional strain. Imagine where their mental health was. That was not a thing in the New Testament, but it, it is now. Imagine how depressed or sad or anxious or worried these individuals who had leprosy were emotionally damaged. And then lastly, not that it's necessarily true, but the Bible oftentimes in the Old Testament and because of it associated people who had leprosy with people who were in sin. The Bible talks about how Miriam got leprosy in Exodus. And at Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that whole Exodus narrative um, where she disobeyed the Lord and, and she ended up catching leprosy, she ended up getting leprosy. And so oftentimes, I want, I'm just trying to give a context because here you have the story. Imagine we're in church and we're just hanging out and, 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 and we're just, I don't know, in a small group or you're here on a Sunday. And next thing you know, out of the wind and the rain outside, a man comes or a woman comes through these doors, comes right into the front on this altar. And on this altar, he, he, you can see there's something wrong with them. Their physical face is messed up and their arms are might be messed up and their, and, their, and their skin is pale and it's peeling. And every everything's wrong and they come into this moment like a random church service on a Sunday morning and they come and they kneel and they say, Jesus, can you make me clean? I just, I just want you to imagine how awkward this was for the individual. That's, that's my whole point. I want you to imagine that this individual has not been around people probably for years. This person, the only people he's allowed to be with are with the same people that have his problem. Imagine what he thought people thought of him. Imagine how insecure he was. Imagine how broken he was. Imagine how damaged this individual was. Imagine how people, what he thought of people thought of it. And then imagine how spiritually empty he was. I love this story. It's one of my favorites. Because it's one of the most beautiful stories where Jesus intervenes when everyone else thought he wasn't supposed to. The crowds around him, come on, you got, you got to catch this. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody. The crowds around him, and I bet they're wondering, why on earth is Jesus listening to this man? Why on earth is Jesus listening to that guy? 
Why would he stop everything he's doing just to listen to a leper? And I, can I be honest, would hate to be the place that we thought the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm guilty of it. Come on. Like, I'm not saying it's your fault. Like, you need to listen. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm guilty of it. Come on, we're guilty of it. Like individually, I'm not saying Thrive is guilty of it. I'm saying I'm, I'm guilty of it. I, I've, I've looked at people and thought, man, why? And instead of asking why God can heal them, I'm asking why, God, why are they even here? But you know what the cool thing about Jesus is that Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> so the Bible says that Jesus, doesn't matter what's happened, doesn't matter what's going on. He decides to put his hand on this man. And, and, and let me just tell you how crazy that is. Because Jesus, now let me give you some context, is God. He's born of a virgin named Mary. He's been on earth for over 30 years at this moment. By this time, he's already praying for the sick and he's doing miracles. He's already loving people. He's already witnessing to people. He has already confessed that he's God. He is immaculate. He is both God and man. He's the son of God and the son of man. He is God incarnate on earth, Emmanuel with us. He's, he's perfect. He's never sinned. He's holy. He's blameless. And in that time, if you were a holy man, holy men didn't touch dirty things. They didn't. They didn't. And, and I don't know about you, but I remember when I first got saved, how messed up I thought I was. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I first got saved, all the issues I had. I've said it before, I had more issues than tissues. Anybody relate to me on that? I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you remember where you came from and who your dad was, and who your mom was, and who your grandparents were maybe, and how broken maybe you were, or, or the things you did. And I remember that when I first got saved and I first met Jesus, I thought to myself, there is no way that he can love me. Because in my story, if my dad didn't love me and my mom didn't love me and I was abandoned by my family, then a God that I've never met and I can't see definitely doesn't love me. And you know what Jesus does is he, 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 it's so crazy. He draws close to the things that are broken because he loves them. The Bible says that the man comes up to Jesus in front of the crowd and he says, hey, can you make me clean? He did not ask Jesus to touch him. He just asked him to make me clean. And it's Jesus, guys, like other stories in scripture, Jesus is spinning in people's eyes and throwing mud at people and, and just saying we're like, he's Jesus, right? He's just, he just Holy Ghost loogies or whatever, you know, just. Another minute he's getting transfigured. Another minute homeboys moonwalking on water, right? Like it's Jesus. I'm not trying to belittle him. I'm just saying he is so next level and beyond our human comprehension. He can do whatever he wants. He's Jesus. So why would Jesus touch a man who he's not supposed to touch? Come on. You're absolutely right. He actually got that one right, Brother Sean. Because he can touch whoever he wants. 
because he's Jesus. The Bible says that he puts his hand on the leper. I see what you have to understand in that moment is leprosy. If you could bring up that next point. Leprosy was this, and, and it's going to connect to this point, is our actions and our consequences of the things that we have done or the things that have happened to us. So this is how you caught leprosy, is that leprosy was either two ways. So it wasn't like, like how I said, how it's kind of like cooties, it's not like that. Leprosy was really, really hard to catch. So you had to catch it in two ways. You either had to catch it from your parents who had it. So people met in leper colonies and had children and their children had leprosy. Or you had to choose to be around it consistently because probably someone in their family had leprosy and so they decided to be with their family constantly. And as they were constantly with their family, they caught leprosy. Why am I saying this? Because in this moment, Jesus is not just healing this man of a physical deformity, but he's healing this man of a legacy. Our actions, our consequences of things we have done or things that have happened to us. Can I tell you that for most of us, the reason why we do the things we do is because of the legacy that's been left behind us. Oftentimes we do the things we do, whether it's good or bad, whether it's sinful or not sinful, whether it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. Oftentimes, let's be honest, you don't wanna be like your parents, but you are. I know it's a bummer. Maybe it's great if your parents were awesome, but I know it's a bummer. You know what's the worst when you're married? Hey, sign note, time out. When your spouse tells you, ooh, you just like your dad. Those are fighting words, can I be honest? Or if I were to tell my, my wife, I love my wife, I'm like, babe, you're just acting like your mom right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't say that, so I don't say that. And my mother-in-law's awesome. She's also watching online, so I gotta be careful. We are who we've came from, most of the time. We are who we've came from. And sometimes we end up carrying the disease of sin and shame and guilt and all that stuff, not because we wanted it, but because we had to carry it because it's where we came from. I remember there were things in my life when I first heard Jesus, that Jesus had to heal me from, not because it was my fault, but because it was someone else's. And oftentimes we will carry the worst pain and the worst fear and the, the, the worst stuff, and it wasn't even us. It was someone else. We will hold on to injustice that has happened in our life because honestly, that's all we know how to do. And then there's the individuals who get leprosy because they choose it. Because they mess up. Because they choose to do something they're not supposed to do. See, see, they choose to be around people they're not supposed to be with. And, and they choose to, to go into stuff they're not supposed to be around. And, and for years they were messed up because of the decisions they made. The cool thing is Jesus in this moment doesn't give this man a 10 point interview of why he has leprosy. 
Jesus in this moment doesn't look at this man and try to figure out everything he's done wrong. Jesus doesn't look at this man and try to figure out all the steps in his life in the past so that way he can reconcile it. No, this, this man named Jesus decides to look at this man and sees him in his brokenness and his willingness to get clean and by his grace and his love and his mercy decides to put his hand on him. Why? Because he's not interested in what's happened before in this man's life. All he's interested in is this moment in this man's life and he's interested in what's gonna happen to this man moving forward. Because Jesus, when he touches us, he doesn't just change us on the outside from inside, he changes us from the inside out. He transforms us entirely. And he's not looking to just transform us, he's transforming a legacy. We've been talking about legacy and we've been talking about what your legacy looks like and the legacy of this house and the legacy of your family. And can I tell you, I feel like God told me to come and tell somebody today that if you want your legacy to be different, you need to get a touch from Jesus. You need to get a touch from Jesus. You need to let him put his hand on you. Some of you, that might mean literally physically, I don't know, you might be really close to Jesus and he might physically put his hand on you. But for most of us, that means that you gotta let Jesus do some work in your heart and you gotta let Jesus do only the things that he can do. My last point's this. Because if Jesus is willing to get dirty, Jesus is willing to get dirty, if you are willing to get clean. I love this because I believe this is the legacy of Thrive. I believe that God has called us to get dirty so others can get clean, come on. Come on, if, if, if you love your church, I wanna tell you that the legacy of this house will be that people come in here and they're not gonna be perfect. Because, right, we're not perfect. They're not gonna come ready. There might be some, we might get some from other churches and they're really, really good. And that's awesome, we'll just put them right into the dream team, you know what I'm talking about? But you know, I want a church that's not just growing because they're coming from other churches. We want a church that's growing because people are meeting Jesus. And if we're gonna be like Jesus, if we're gonna believe that he transforms, we gotta be willing to get a little dirty like how he got dirty. We gotta be willing to go places where we might not be comfortable. We gotta be willing to pray for things that might be impossible. We might have to get into the muck and the grime of people's lives because of all the mess and all the junk and all the stuff. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. And, and I believe this wholeheartedly as a house is that we're called to go and be the love of God to people who might've never experienced the love of God. And I do believe it's for every church, but I especially believe it's for this church. I do. And if you're in this room and you're watching online and you're thinking to yourself, man, I might be that individual. I might not be perfect and I'm kind of broken and I've done some things and my family's done some things and I'm kind of messed up and I've kind of screwed up and I just kind of visited because my cousin kept bugging me. And I don't know if they're gonna love me. Listen, we're gonna love you. 
We're gonna love you and we're gonna pray for you. We're also gonna tell you when you're being dumb, I promise. But we're gonna love you and we're gonna speak truth to you and we're gonna pray with you and we're gonna be with you. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help you encounter Jesus. We're gonna help you grow closer to your relationship with God. This house is a safe place where you can experience who Jesus is in your life. And I'm, we're not scared of your stuff. Trust me, because you're not the only one who's gone through it, I promise. Sometimes we think we're the only one that has our problems, but we're not. There's like 10 more people in this building that have had the same problems as you, I promise. I won't put them on blast, but I'll maybe text them your name, okay? Like it's... That Thrive Lathrop would be a place where transformation happens. I want to read to you the definition of transformation. Look at this. It says this. It says transformation. It's in, in the Greek, it's the word called metamorpho. And it means to transform, change, transfigure, to fashion or to form. There's a, test, there's a, there's a passage in the Old Testament where Jesus says, where, where the Bible says that God is like pot, the potter and we are the clay that he is fashioning us and forming us. See, see, the reason why Jesus can touch the leper is, is not because not only is he God, but Jesus was the one who made the leper. See, see Jesus was there before he had leprosy. See, G Jesus was there when he was in his mother's womb. See, Jesus knows who the leper is more than the leper knows who the leper is. Come on, I'm, I'm saying something to someone. And, and, and the reason why Jesus can touch the leper, even though society tells Jesus he can't touch the leper, is because Jesus is greater than the societal standard because Jesus created the leper. And so if Jesus created the leper, then that means that, that he formed him. The Bible says in, in Genesis, he, he formed Adam out of dust. The Bible says in the Old Testament that he, he makes us out of clay, right? He, he forms us, that he fashions us. He, he designs us is what Ephesians says, right? We've been designed. That means that God got his hands dirty to make us from the beginning. If Jesus was not scared to get his hands dirty before, what makes you think that your stuff is too bad that Jesus isn't willing to get his hands dirty after? What makes you and I think that we're so messed up that the cross is not good enough? What makes you and I think that our stuff is so bad that Jesus isn't willing to form us and shape us and shift us and transform us? That word metamorpho is where we get the word metamorphosis. It means to transform entirely. It's like how a Butterfly comes from a caterpillar. A butterfly cannot go back into being a caterpillar. Like I didn't, I fell asleep in science class, but I know that much. <laughs> it can only go one way. 
That's what happened. Jesus puts his hand on this leper. And in a moment, the Bible says immediately, his leprosy gets to get cleansed. Imagine in front of the crowd, the man's face begins to get healed and the man's body begins to get healed. His skin begins to come back together. It's this transformation right in front of everyone's eyes. That's what I believe God wants to do in this house with you and I. And if I can tell you today, that's what I believe for someone in this room, God wants to do for you. You are not too dirty. You are not too broken. You are not too messed up. Your legacy is not too jacked up. You are, without a shadow of a doubt, loved by God. And that if you would be willing, listen to me, if you would be willing to let Jesus touch you, Everything changes. Last story and I'm gonna close. You guys good? So I, um, I, I remember when, when I was younger, I, I got saved around 12 years old. And my dad, I think I've shared this in the past already, but years and years of addiction in his family, generations after generations of, of drunkenness and drug addiction and lawlessness and adultery and fornication, like it's bad. My mom, same thing. And I knew nothing about Jesus, guys. I, I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the gospels. I knew nothing. I didn't even know where Genesis was. I've, I've only, I only went to church once in my life before I got saved at 12 years old. And that was at a church fall festival, like the one we're going to do here. But I got mad because a kid from church need me in the forehead in the bounce house. Just bah. I thought he was a UFC fighter before it was a thing. And I was little. I was a little chunky chicken nugget Mexican looking kid, Okay. I could have sat on him, but he was too fast. Like it just. I, I, I know what it's like to feel like no one loves you. And when you feel that, you feel, you feel like it's your fault. You feel like it's your fault. And. And you feel like something's wrong with you. And you begin to realize, you really think that like you're dirty, not physically. You know how many teenagers I met? Even adults, they come, they come to me, right? And, and, and people I've met preaching and traveling. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter uh, who you're, who, who you, where you came from. Uh, sin tends to do this thing, whether it's happened to you or you've done it, where it makes you feel dirty. And it's a dirty you can't get off. That's, that's my point. It's, it's, it feels like I can't scrub it off. I can't wash it off. I can't, I can't take enough showers to get this dirty off me. And then, and then I, I, then I get saved at this little black church in Crenshaw, California. Come on. 
with 40 people and me and my family were the only Mexicans there, Hispanics there. And for the first time, I didn't feel dirty there. Like, like I, I remember this. I remember feeling so loved that it doesn't matter who I used to be. And guys, I was 12. I'm not talking about how I was 20. I was 12 and I felt like this. But in that place, and then I went to my other church where I got discipled, the little Hispanic church in, in Whittier, California. And I was there every day of the week. I was there Monday, I was there, I was there Tuesday for a Bible study, Wednesday for youth, Thursday for the other Bible study, Friday for, for prayer, Saturday to clean the church, Sunday two morning services and an evening service, and they were all a different message. I was obsessed. I was obsessed. Because I, I felt safe there. I felt clean there. And you know, you know what God was doing? is, is, is in, in the place of, of church and, and with the people of church. It's not just, just the place. He, he was washing me. He was washing me. And I, I didn't know this, but he was washing me, not just of my stuff, but of my dad's stuff and my grandfather's stuff and my great-grandfather's stuff. He was washing me of years and years and years of generational brokenness and sin and lies and shame and addiction. He was washing me and he was washing me. And can I tell you, he's still doing it. Every time I come to church on Sunday, he's washing me. Every time I'm in a meeting, with my team who are like my best friends, he's washing me. Every time I go on a car ride with Pastor Eric, he's washing me, he's washing me, he's washing me. Why? Because he wants to know that society and stuff doesn't define me as dirty. He defines me as clean. And if you came in this room today and you feel dirty, I wanna tell you there's hope. That God, doesn't define you as dirty, that with one touch from Jesus, God can make you clean. That if you would be willing to choose him, God can make you clean. Stand to your feet with me, family. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.